This is What's with Washington, where you ask the questions about our region, about the place we live, about your neighborhood, Anacostia, Prince George's County, Pentagon City, Woodley Park, Columbia Heights, and WAMU Answers. I'm a second-generation Washingtonian. This is What's with Washington. I'm Michaela Lafrak. We've been working super hard over here in the WAMU Podcast Lab on season two of What's with Washington. We're going to have some great new episodes for you later this fall. But in the meantime, I want to share a story about a mysterious food with an equally mysterious name, Watergate Salad. It comes to us from one of WAMU's news editors, Gabe Bullard. Hey, Gabe. Hey. Gabe, as soon as a listener submitted this question, we knew that you needed to be the one to report it because you have this very well-known interest in really regionally specific foods with strange backstories. Is that an accurate way to put it? I didn't realize it was well-known. Yes. It's becoming pretty (laughs) well-known. So what are some examples of other foods that you've been really interested in or that you've written about, right? Yeah, I have written about the history of eating squirrel and possum, particularly in small game. So I'm really interested in this idea of how food gets attached to class, how food gets attached to a certain way of living, and then also just how this overall industrialization of the food system that sort of happened over the last century has changed the way people eat and where they eat. And uh, Watergate Salad hopped right into that. So, Gabe, let's hear the question from our listener. Yes. Martha Fessenden asked us, why can't she find Watergate Salad anymore? She has lived in D.C. for a while, and she said, you used to be able to get Watergate Salad at the deli, at the grocery store? Probably at the Watergate Hotel. I'm not sure. But now it's very hard to find. In fact, I didn't think you could find it anywhere. And do you wonder where the where the name came from? Well, where the name came from and why you can no longer find it. So I had never heard of Watergate Salad. How did you start trying to figure out what it is? Yeah, I had never heard of it either. And I was wondering, who really knows? So uh, we put a call out and we said, hey, call us with what you think is in a Watergate Salad. Uh, I mean, a Watergate Salad, so it's something that like white people in the suburbs of probably D.C., would eat in the 70s. You need Cool Whip and you need like pistachio like pudding and then you need uh, canned pineapples and uh, the, I'm blanking on the name, little cherries that you get in your fancy cocktails. I'm gonna guess it's the one with cottage cheese and carrots and jello. Hi, I think a Watergate salad is made of concrete and white people. <laughs> Make sure you have marshmallows too, that makes it taste better. So maybe it's just like entire crabs suspended in jello or an aspic. Thanks very much. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> so I'm really hoping it's none of those, but I'm worried it might be one of them. So tell me what it is. what is a Watergate salad? A Watergate salad, the classic Watergate salad as it's been settled upon, is a packet of pistachio pudding mix. And you don't make it. You don't add it to milk or do whatever else you do. You You just put the powder into a bowl. And to that, you add a can of crushed pineapple in its own juice. And to that, you add a handful or two of mini marshmallows. And to that, you add half a tub of Cool Whip or other whipped topping. A half a tub. A half a tub. I haven't measured anything by the tub in a while. (laughs) Tubs, hogsheads, you know. (laughs) And then you added some crushed nuts. The nuts vary from recipe to recipe. You can go walnuts. That's what I did. You can get pistachios if you want. And you mix it all together. 
and then you eat it. Okay, so let's, when you started reporting this story, had you tasted Watergate salad before? Never before, no. I had had, uh, from growing up in the Midwest, I had had the occasional sort of jello salad. I have a friend who's from uh, from rural Wisconsin, and she has this family cookbook that's been passed down for years and years, and there's a whole salad section, and we were looking through it the other day, and it was just all jello. Like, there was not a single actual, like, leafy green to oh, be found. Yeah, yeah. I uh, inherited my great-grandmother's copy of The Joy of Cooking, and I think it's the early 60s edition. And I I had gotten it. I was like mid-20s then, and there's a section on cocktails. And I was like, oh, what kind of cool classic cocktails do they have here? All gelatins, all like pre-dinner types of like cocktail sauce gelatins with shrimp inside. All of the recipes are that. Like there's no no actual like having a drink sort of things in there. Who would do that to shrimp? And, And speaking of family, when I was talking to my mom, I called my parents and mentioned to them that I was doing a story on the history of Watergate salad, my mom said, oh, yeah, I I love Watergate salad. Hi, I'm Jeannie Boyd, Gabe's mom. Yeah, I remember Watergate salad. It was really yummy, fluffy, green, delicious. It was one of those popular dishes somebody would usually bring to get together back in the early 70s. And I remember there was a little joke that they called it Watergate salad because there was a cover-up involved in and there were nuts inside. <laughs> it was really yummy. That's great. So clue number one, we know that it wasn't just a D.C. area thing. It made it out, exactly. out yeah, past they this were, region. Yeah, they were living uh, south of St. Louis in, in Missouri at the time, and it was apparently a thing. And my mom also mentioned that they went to visit some family in Chicago and were served the Watergate salad in Chicago as well. So the Watergate building opened in 1962, and your mom said she was eating the salad in the early 70s. So did the Watergate salad come from the Watergate building? Like, was it served there? Because that would make sense with the timeline. No one has any record, any memory of anyone at the Watergate creating the salad. No one has any record of anyone having made the salad there, of eating it anywhere near the Watergate. (laughs) No one has any sort of memory of that. So if not the Watergate building, where did the salad come from? So there are a few different theories out there. The earliest record I could find of any sort of Watergate dessert is the Watergate cake, which was very similar to the salad. It was pistachio pudding mix, which which would just be added into the cake mix. So it would turn sort of green, probably change the texture a bit, and then ha- it would have sort of a whipped cream icing and nuts on top of that. And that's the cover-up. That's the nuts. Uh-huh. And that joke was printed in 1974, the first mention I could find in a newspaper out of Maryland. So 1974. That means the Watergate salad recipe is in the press during, like, the peak Watergate scandal. After the break-in, but before Nixon resigned? We have a mystery story out of Washington. Five people have been arrested and charged with breaking into the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee in the middle of the night. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Everybody back then was talking about the Watergate scandal, so they renamed this existing dessert with this cheeky nod to the Watergate. Yes, pretty much after that, every recipe either says, rumor is it came from the Watergate, or something along the lines of, a friend of a friend told me this. And then eventually the salad starts appearing. It's similar to the cake. The There was before this the pineapple pistachio delight, which was very similar ingredients. Jello was publishing a recipe for that in the 80s even. And it, it and the Watergate salad are pretty much the same thing there. Okay. If this dessert predates the, the Watergate scandal and even the building itself, 
when when did it first come about? So I talked with Susan Benjamin. She's a historian of candy and sweets. My name is Susan Benjamin, and I'm founder of True Treats Historic Candy. She traces the origin of these delights back well over a century. When you had a remarkable thing happen, instant gelatin. Do you know what makes a little girl happy? Twinkling jello. There's nothing quite like jello. It's a wonderland of delight. And once instant gelatin was made, then people, especially women at home, were able to make foods that they really didn't want to make before because they had to make the gelatin themselves, which was a day-long process of boiling down animal hooves. Oh, who has the time? Exactly. Dave. Who can boil a hoof these Not days? <laughs> Thanks, Jello. Yeah. So, yes. so why are they called delights? Because, I mean, personally, a bunch of marshmallows and nuts and whipped things does not sound delightful to me. Well, actually, uh, Susan had a theory on that. The idea of having something that contains sweetness and sugar meant you were affluent, meant you were happy, meant the times were really good overall because you could afford them or because those sugars were available. So it really was a delight. Yes, Susan, I totally agree with this. As somebody who eats like an insane amount of candy, primarily Twin Snakes and Sour Patch Kids, sugar does mean times are good to me, <laughs> an adult woman. <laughs> so it sounds like a taste test was in order. Yes, it most definitely was. Susan brought in the archival recipe for pineapple whip. She brought in some of the Watergate salad from the market near her, and then I and our visuals editor, Tyrone Turner, made a Watergate salad here. I walked down the street to the giant. I bought those ingredients, brought them back, mixed them all together. We called the staff in, and we, and we, and we really just dug in. Go ahead and try it. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> pineapple. Pineapples. pineapples. What do you That's think? Good. You love it? It's good. It's good? Yeah? Would you like to have some for lunch or for no. dessert? Dessert. That's a dessert. It seems like a more dessert. These I really like it. It's very desserty. The texture kind of freaked me out a little bit, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like, it just Why? was different. It wasn't consistent. And I was like, what is this? What am I chewing? Is it a liquid or a solid? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, was, <laughs> it, it was, hasn't made up its mind. It was somewhere in the middle. Um, oh my gosh. What a color. This tastes, wow. It's amazing how much taste is connected to memory, but. It tastes exactly like something my grandma made. Nice. Exactly. I was going to say that I was getting very strong grandma vibes. Yeah. Very yeah. strong. It sounds like people are having a lot of feelings, but I can't tell. Did they actually like the salad? For the most part, yeah. Everyone enjoyed it. I thought, I when we were going in, I thought everyone would really go for the, the store-bought, the local market uh, that Susan had picked up, that Watergate salad. That one was pretty interesting. I don't know if they were using cream cheese. They didn't print the, the ingredients on it. It, but it had sort of a, a, a non-sweet tanginess to it. I thought the pineapple whip was really sweet. The Watergate salad uh, that we had made, you can really taste that everything just came out of out of an industrial package. And But it was good. It seemed like people really enjoyed the Watergate salads that we had, and I certainly enjoyed tasting them. Sounds like Watergate salad was really popular for a long time, but it's not really on menus at all anymore. It's very rare. Where did it go? So it sort of went the way of a lot of these other kind of miracle mid-century foods that people stopped thinking that it was really this luxurious type of thing. People got a little bit more conscious of eating fat, of eating sugar. There were the diet crazes that passed through. Uh, and just the general idea of having food suspended in gelatin sort of, it sort of went out of favor. Do you think that we have 
any sort of equivalent of the Watergate salad today, like some sort of dessert or food that our kids are going to look at and be like, that is the grossest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Like, mom and dad, why did you make that? I think like this abundance of Soylent and protein bars and quick mix. Like I, I was in the store the other day and it's like the there's a whole aisle now of it's birthday cake flavored protein bars. Oh, no. And I'm like, somebody is going to look back on this and be like, oh, that's when they were eating that. All right, Gabe, thank you so much for joining me. This was really fun. Oh, thanks for having me. That's all for now. The next season of What's With Washington starts on October 29th, and we're going to have lots of new stories for you on everything from Metro Myths to GoGo to Amazon even. So tell your friends. In the meantime, if you're hungry for more food stories, you might like WAMU's podcast Dish City. Here's a little taste. What are DC's iconic foods? For me, it's the half smoke. The half smoke is the Philly cheesesteak of, of DC. But not everyone agrees. Maybe district tacos is quintessential DC food. Ruth, hold me back. Please. <laughs> That's a big question though. What are DC's iconic foods? We asked a ton of people and could not get a straight answer. Something sauce. The sauce you get in the Chinese restaurants called bomba sauce. I don't know what to say DC's. I've always said, what is DC's food? What is the, I'm not sure. This is Dish City. I'm Ruth Tam. And I'm Patrick Fort. We're on a mission to taste all of DC's iconic foods. Half smokes, mumbo sauce, Ethiopian, jumbo slice. We both love food, but we also care about the stories behind our food. What drives people to cook? Do restaurants make neighborhoods, or is it the other way around? Do immigrant chefs need to change their cuisine to survive here? I don't think any Ethiopian mom that tries to do incredible Ethiopian food gives a shit what America thinks about it. Above all, we want to know how city change is experienced through food. They'll turn it into a metropolis, which I think is boring as hell. I want DC to remain this great city it's always been. We both came to DC in the last 10 years, and we've used food to learn about our new home. When I got here and people were talking about mumble sauce, and I said, but that's the name of a sauce in Chicago. We'll find out who eats what and why, and we'll learn the history of some of DC's oldest restaurants. Well, we're sitting at the booth that uh, Martin Luther King used to plan the March on Washington. And for the food that Washingtonians grew up with, we'll explore if they have a future in a city that's rapidly changing. Like, people are passionate about it because they really believe that it started here. And like, how can you change someone's memory? If they were here in the 50s and remember eating it, you can't change their mind and tell them that this did not happen. Dish City. Give me pizza. Give me P pizza. P-I-Z-C-A. Coming soon, wherever you get your podcasts.